It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in third and final hour of the program here on Wednesday. And in just a little bit, we'll be joined by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell for Midweek with the Mayor. Uh, We will talk with the mayor about a lot of things that have been happening around the city. And we will take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. You know, I, I was talking with Kate just now in the newsroom during the break. Um, you know, we get that, that minute, two-minute window there at the beginning when it's ABC News. And then, of course, I always distract her when it's time for her to go into the booth and do her own news. But in the brief period of time that we had to, to discuss, I brought up an idea to her that I've actually been meaning. I'll probably put out an article about it and start requesting some of your suggestions for it. But I was thinking about this uh, the other day, that... I like being able to present to you as the WBSM audience, whether it be listeners or readers, some of the places that you might not have access to. Some of the kind of the secret things of the South Coast. And I want to do a series, especially as we're getting into the spring and summer months and the weather will be nicer and I like getting out of the office and going out and doing things. I want to give you a behind the scenes look at things that you might not have ever had access to. Things like, oh, I don't know, getting into the tunnels under the hurricane barrier, uh, seeing what it's like to uh, sit atop the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge when when it has to move, you know, when it has to uh, be in operation. I know there's some issues; they don't let people up there, but you know, maybe we can, maybe we can get MassDOT to give us some some insight into there. But things like that, things that you wouldn't normally have access to, you know, what, what is it like inside Battery Milliken at Fort Tabor? Because I've, I've been in there and I, it's fascinating in there, but it's also a place where, you know, they don't want you going in there and trespassing. So let me just put that on the table. Don't, don't go there and trespass, but maybe we can come up with, you know, some articles here and some videos and some photos where we can give you, you know, the secrets of the South coast the inside look at places or behind-the-scenes stories about things that you wouldn't normally find out. So if you have any suggestions that you would like to see in that series, proposed series, then you can uh, send me an email, tim at wbsm.com. You can send an app chat message in to me, and I'm going to put out the article with, I'll put a form in the article. I'll put like a Google, a Google Doc that you can actually fill out and send these recommendations in to me. So that'll be, we'll call it the secrets of the South Coast, and you can tell me what it is that you want to find out more about and what you want to learn about. And um, I'll take any suggestion. If it involves height, so I'm probably not going to do it. So if you're like, I'd like to see what it looks like on top of a windmill, I will refer you to Peter Pereira's photographs. From He went up up on top of the windmill, and he took those photos for the Standard Times. I am not going to do anything that involves heights, most likely. Um, But we do have now New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is joining us in the studio for Midweek with the Mayor. Uh, Good morning, sir. How are you? Morning, Tim. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Sorry I'm late. We're over at Kearney Academy this morning. 
with uh, the Assistant Adjutant General of the Massachusetts Army National Guard to unveil two portraits of Sergeant Carney uh, at the school. And so we had a nice ceremony there to do the unveiling and a number of uh, really good speeches about uh, Sergeant Carney. So it was pretty cool. Sergeant Carney's um, one of our most famous residents, the first African-American, of course, to receive the Medal of Honor for his uh, gallantry at the Battle of Fort Wagner in 1863. So pretty cool stuff. So good way to start off the day. But and I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late, but no, was no late worries for a at good all. Reason. Yeah. The, so these are new portraits or these are like refurbished portraits? No, they're new, new portraits, new depictions of him that were given to the school. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. So we haven't had a chance to, know, to catch up I with know. you on. I've been traveling. I was at uh, two different conferences. I just so happened to fall on Wednesday. So, yeah. So I'm here. So there's a lot of catching well, up to let's, do. Let's dig into some <laughs> let's, of it. Let's get right to it, Tim. Well, I, I read your comments to Jack Spillane in New Bedford Light regarding these ballot questions that were proposed uh, yes. by the city council. Yes. And it seems like you are leaning toward vetoing all three of those questions. I, so I, I will say I'm not just leaning. I am going to veto <laughs> them. Uh, but, I, yeah, I've, um, we'll, we'll submit the veto officially. But... Um, Jack asked me, and I said, yeah, well, I mean, should, nobody should be surprised. Uh, these ballot questions, non-binding though they are, raise all sorts of implications for the operation of city government, the city's finances, our ability to attract investment, the quality of our parks and historic buildings, um, the very structure of city government, and the council didn't talk to anybody uh, before they put these measures on the agenda. They appeared two days before, on the agenda two days before the hearing. There was um, no notice to the administration, much less an invitation to be there and express our opinions, because after all, the administration has to implement, would have to implement them if they were ultimately enacted in law. And they discussed them for all of an hour, a little under an hour uh, that night, and they passed them all. So one deals with um, the revocation of the Community Preservation Act, which was put on the ballot in 2014 and passed and has worked very well to preserve a number of uh, historic buildings in the city to improve our parks. It's worked. People have seen the signs up. It's some of the most visible work that city government does. And... Um, and among other things, its purpose is to support the building of new housing in the city, uh, which is something that we very much need. I think everybody would, would agree. So it's kind of curious how, like, why would we revoke that? Um, yeah, they had to do with the term of mayor, um, which the voters just passed in a binding referendum in 2017. There's only been one mayoral election for a four-year term. Right. This is a structural change in city government. There had been no groundswell of people saying, oh, this four-year thing's terrible. We, gotta, we have to reverse it all of a sudden. There's none of that. This is just the city council just throwing it up there and seeing what happens and not, fo not following the prescribed process in state law, which says, well, this is what you do to change the law. You get, the, get so many signatures. You put it on the ballot, which is what a lot of people 
a big group of people did back in 2017 to get it on the ballot. So, you know, it raises questions about political motivations and such. And then the other thing is the, the, the idea of rent control, which uh, that's the third binding, uh, non-binding ballot. And I, I got to tell you that with that one, um, nobody's, I, I haven't heard anybody suggest here uh, that rent control is a good idea. It is one of those things where you know, there's, there's the old saying that no two economists agree on anything except rent control. In other words, you can ask economists on the left and on the right, and they'll all say, you know, it's a bad idea. Because what it does is by controlling how much money a landlord can make, I mean, it's, it's a superficially appealing. Like, nobody wants escalating rents. Everybody wants folks to have shelter, right, that they can attain. That, that is something that we, we, can, we can all agree on. But what doesn't work is controlling the amount of, capping the amount of money a landlord can make. Because if you're a landlord, you're going to be like, why should I build anything in that city when you're telling me I, I can't, I can only make so much money? Or why should I even bother to rehab my place um, when you're telling me I can only make so much money, right? It's the government doesn't build housing. It's the private sector. And the private sector does it to make a profit, right? Like any other business. So um, it doesn't work. So you can run the game. It's hard to find an economist that says it's a good thing. That's why the country's gotten away from it. The only a handful of places around the country that still have some form of rent control. It was abolished in Massachusetts 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't work. And for the city council just to throw it up there, um, not only is it just, you know, a, a, a walking away of their duty to like, you know, take on the hard questions and, and do the research and do the hard work of deliberating. But the other thing, it's, it's sent signals already to the developers that we're trying to get to build housing in the city. I got calls from the develop from developers right after they did that. And they're like, are you, are you guys really going to do rent control? Like, we're not a major Metro. We're not Boston. We're not one of these places where the, there is just an abundance of housing construction going on. And for them, it's just a matter of making sure that there's some, um, uh, left out, left over for folks who you know might get displaced from the market. That's not New Bedford, right? We we it's it's very hard for developers to make a profit here already, and so we have to do everything we can in the way of making subsidies available, whether those subsidies come with income restrictions or not. Um, we have to like really bend over backwards to move projects along, and the and the specter of rent control really inhibits our ability uh, to do that. And so even though it's non-binding, it's already caused damage. And and so I'm going to veto it. And I hope that the city council didn't do, and I think there's something for for everybody to pay attention to. Uh, they didn't, they, they did it by a voice vote, right? Um, I think they should, whatever they do next, uh, I think they should do it by roll call. There should be some debate. There should be some analysis. They should get experts in to look at all this stuff. I mean, that's that's what you do for all, on all these ballot questions. Um, and that's the responsible way to do it. If they really believe these things are good. And I'm not I'm I am skeptical that uh, a full majority of the council thinks each one of these things is a is a good idea. So, um, you know, look, I, 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 they've they've been on the radio. I know I haven't heard all the programming. I know they've some of them have tried to defend it. And, um, and but I think that the public should look skeptically 
on all these things. And it raises just a question of, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I was just really surprised by the, I got the, the city council agenda. I'm like, are they really doing this? So, um, you know, I, I just, uh, they were, uh, we're really trying to work with the city council and provide them the information they need to do their job. But it's, um, you know, this, this is, this whole thing's been, been discouraging. I'll just, I'll, I'll be, perfectly frank with folks and I, I, I really want to work with them so that we can we, we can we can serve the city's interest and and um, you know continue the city's path of, uh, of progress I'm not going to let it stop me but I do think that we really need to get everybody on the same page well councillor Burgo did mention on South Coast tonight he, he kind of let slip that the idea of these questions is that it'll bring people out to come and vote so the, the you know the votership will be up for the next election yeah. and then the perception is that that is because they're trying to bring in a vote that would kind of vote you down uh do you do you look at it as that you said you feel about these are, the mayoral term yes well just in general all these questions will bring people out because they will feel so um they'll feel so motivated to vote one way or another about them that you will have a higher percentage turnout and that they feel like that higher percentage turnout might actually weaken your chances for re-election should you run yeah, well, I mean, as you know, I haven't made any decisions uh, about that and uh, whether I'm running it at all, and I don't think anybody should presume anything, right? Um, and, yeah, I think it, 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 none of it made any sense on the merits, right? These are all really complex issues, right? And they spent less than a, they didn't tell anybody that they were doing it. They spent less than an hour on it, and then they voted it out nearly unanimously and so it leaves one to wonder what, what, what's what's going on here so yeah so he let that slip and it's not frankly surprising it didn't surprise me it shouldn't surprise um uh anybody if if um so i, I look that, that that may well be the case that's unfortunate i think honestly his elected officials they owe a duty to do their very best um to advance, uh, to really understand the city's interest, or do that, that that requires hard work, and to advance policies that, you know, support what we're trying, what we together are trying to do, um, rather than, you know, Jack Splane's column the other day was was instructive. I mean, he said that, you know, the council, what he said, he's a, I'll get his wording up close enough, I think he said something to the effect that should just do the work and not try to outflank the mayor at every turn it's like there's this game going on and like don't have to i, I think what they, i'd say to them is that look you you can get yourself reelected, and you can well you can gain the respect of people which will allow you city councilors to get reelected if you just do the hard work people see recognize hard work they recognize when City councilors are doing their homework on policy issues and they're speaking with authority on those issues and they're working, trying to get input and they're talking to the administration, which of course they have to because uh, the administration would have to implement anything they pass. People recognize that and people respect it, especially at the local level. Sometimes that gets lost at the national level, right? But when we're governing as close as we do at, at the municipal level to the people, people, it's not lost on them if you're... you're you know, you're really trying, you know, I, I screw up. I, I make mistakes in my job, but I think people, I think people, I'd like to think that people recognize that I, I work really hard. I go on this show every week. People ask questions, whatever's on their mind. And I do my best to tell them if I don't know, I say, I don't know, but then I try to figure it out. And 
that's the way you gain trust. And I wish that there were more counselors who approach, approach things that way. There, there is an item on the agenda, a couple of items on the agenda for this week's meeting that deal with the Zaitarian and uh, the proposal to have a 30-year lease agreement uh, for the continued operation of the Zaitarian. It, from, from what I can understand, the, the committee, in, they voted in committee to take no further action on that, and it looks like they're going to suggest putting it out for, you know, putting out RFPs to see if there's anybody else that's interested in that. Do you think that that is a necessary process in being able to, to re-sign this lease to take a look at other possible people to come in and run the Zyterian? Yeah, I, I, so I'm trying to remember. I didn't see, I haven't seen this week's agenda coming up, um, and I, so I don't know what they they have in, in mind with that. And I, I don't, well, what, whatever, whatever is done will have, will, will follow, of course, Massachusetts law, whether that means it has to be out, put out the bid. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. My recollection was that it was put out, but I, I can get back to you on, on that. I just don't, I just don't recall off, off, offhand, but we'll, we'll get, uh, you know, we'll get you that, that information so you can share it with the, with the public, Tim. Um, the Zyterian, I know the Zyterian is trying to establish that lease in part so that it's eligible for certain federal grants. It's not like they're the only one. The Zyterian, uh, the organization, the nonprofit, operate, operates what is a city-owned building there. The city government doesn't have the capacity to run that building. We're not in the business of running a performing arts center. And so the arrangement we have is one that's typical of cities that own their own performing arts centers the cities themselves don't run it there aren't there aren't city employees running things over there so um you know what we're doing there is pretty ordinary they as you know the site the zyterian is undertaking a major capital campaign right now they're really rebuilding giving the place a big face left them new marquee redoing all the seating just fi fixing up the systems in the place it's been long overdue and it's about a $30 million project in order, and they've gotten a lot of private sector donations in. they've gotten public sector commitments. And um, one of the things that they're applying for are um, historic tax credits as well as uh, there's some other, I'm trying to remember the other financing mechanism. Maybe, maybe it's new market tax credits. I can't remember which, but in any event, in order to be eligible for some of those things, they need to have control of the building in the long term and so that's really what's what's what this is about i mean it would be a shame that they spend all this time raising these funds and giving the building a facelift that benefits the city because it is as you said it's a city-owned building and then to say yeah but we don't want you to to stay in there and, and do that that'd be a well i guess my point is they're not going to be able to raise all the funds without having the need to do that without having a lease in hand it's a prerequisite for the applications so we will uh, we will address that uh, when uh, when we have the uh, city council president on on Friday. We'll find out how that vote goes. Why don't we take our first break? And if you want to call in and speak with the mayor, 508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. We are talking with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell midweek with the mayor. And we have room for your phone calls at 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You are on with Mayor Mitchell. Hi, good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mayor Catherine. Mitchell. Good morning, Catherine. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I recognize your day, voice without, without, uh, without having even to re reflect on it. I, how are you doing? Things are good? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I went to the citizen input meeting uh, uh, session last night for the first time, 
Uh, there are two parts to my my reason for my call, um, and the one part one citizen didn't show up, which was sad. I, I know who he is, and he would have been, I think, a good speaker. But and the other person spoke well too. But what bothered me is there was no response other than thank you after it. There was no indication that You're talking any of about the city, at the city council. Yes, I'm oh. sorry. There was no. Um, no indication that I could see, and it may not have been the case, but I did not see any indication that any of the city councilors were uh, taking in, listening to, thinking about what the citizens said. Uh, there was a, you know, a very brief, a very brief as it should be, thank you. And she sat down and then went on to the next item on the agenda. I, I thought that was awful, which tell, is why tell, I think tell us need. what Tell us what you had to say. Summarize. Oh, <laughs> uh, what she had to say? No, what um, you had to say. What did you have to say? I didn't speak at it. Oh. I just went to see what it was like. Well, come on, Catherine. You're not you're not short on on opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working my way up to it. I wanted to see how it what it was like, so okay. that I could plan, perhaps. Okay. Um, we have only three minutes to speak, even if there's a whole half hour available. So. Um, <laughs> I have to plan, but I probably will at some point request. <laughs> um, thanks for the encouragement. Um, what will bring voters out? Not the nonsense of the non-binding referendum, referenda that uh, have so quickly, suddenly come up. Um, what will bring voters, I think, is, and it was the way that the change in term uh, for mayor came about, I believe, was uh, through a petition. Uh, am I right about that for citizens uh, by residents? Well, the, to, uh, uh, to the sta under state law, in order the, to change... two to four years. Yeah, you it? have to... It has to be... It can... It, it's to be put on the ballot to, for a binding referendum on the term of murder. Right. To I, be put on the ballot, you have to go and get signatures and then... Once those signatures are, uh, are, once that requirement's satisfied, it can be on the on the ballot. Well, and I think it's. I think we need to do that. We the the uh, voters of New Bedford need to do that for city council positions. Um, there's, and I don't care who is on city council. Um, I think it's especially important now because it, it's you know it's become so dysfunctional. But um, I think, you know, in general, I think there's a good idea that they be term limits uh, for city councilors. So uh, there not be people in for 20 plus years and get too comfortable and, and all that. So uh, I'm thinking about that petition business right now. And uh, maybe I'll think about citizen input in relation to it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I thank you for listening. All right. Not Thank you for the call. Anytime, Catherine. Okay. Bye. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next with Mayor Mitchell. Good morning, gentlemen. Give Good morning, Gilly. Give me a Gilly. break, John. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> you know, you said... I Gilly recognize said, this, this voice, Tim. Oh, um, yeah. You know, you said what I said on the radio the other day. You know, uh, you know when you when you're on the radio, Gilly, I take copious notes, and I'm going to say I'm going to say it just like Gilly. Well, I mean, somebody called in and said uh, a young lady called in and said that uh, I'm rough around the edges, but I bring a lot of points up. Okay, that uh, they're finally starting there. But my concern is, 
we went through this. You said it about four years ago, five years ago, and it was on an agenda. The only people that want a four year, you know, to recall that four year thing is the crybabies. They voted for it, against it, you know, like Brian Gomes, for instance, Linda Mora. And it's all your fault. You know that, John, right? We're doing the Mora's. It's all your fault. <laughs> Well, the four-year term... And Tony Cambral, wait a minute. So, no, no, no. Okay. And, and Tony Cambral, and you beat her in her own ward when she was one uh, city councilor for Ward 1, in every precinct. And that's when I... I was, matter of fact, I was on her team at that time. And then I came on yours. Okay? But the bottom line is... you got the, the rest is history. Here. Huh? And the rest is history. Yes, we know that. <laughs> but now, all of a sudden, she runs that council there like... She's a tyrant. I mean, she actually, there's a video in there that Carlos Felix did after the meeting. She called me an ASS hole, okay? I, I mean, even spe spelling it is like still that? a violation of the uh, the FCC, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't just spell it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I mean, she, she called, and, and then, you know, and she has a habit, if everybody notices, is she lets everybody else talk all the other city councilors. Then she also always wants to be the last one. Okay, Brian Gomes ran against you and the city and the council at large. Gilead, I just, I just want you to move it along to, 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 to the point here because we've got limited time with the mayor, so. Well, I just, well, I just want to say that it's all John's fault. <laughs> all right, Gee, thank you for the call. Gee, thanks. Of course. Well, you know, yeah, the four-year term, just so, look, nobody's, I mean, we were talking off air about how, like, like you're not getting calls about before the city council. It wasn't like you're getting calls from people saying, "Oh yeah, you know what? It should be two years." Well, the thing is, it's in the public's mind. It's settled, right? We had a referendum. There's only been one mayoral election since that was that went into effect. Just one, right? Nobody's talking about it. And, and one of the reasons other people feel it's just settled because we went, they cast their votes on that in a binding way, not in a non-binding way that as the city council is proposing but the measure put us in line with the rest of the country if you look around the country at cities that share our primary attributes that is over a hundred thousand in population a center city as opposed to a satellite of a big city right we're sitting in our own center our own bottom or our own suburbs in a city and this maybe the most important thing with a strong mayor form of government, right? In other words, some cities have what are called um, uh, council administrator forms of government where the administrative authority lies with the city council and the city administrator, right? There are examples of that in Massachusetts, like Worcester is one of them, where the mayor really is has doesn't have a whole lot of actual legal authority, right? So we, we do in New Bedford, we have a, what's called a strong mayor model of government where the mayor is responsible for like everything, right? If you look around those cities that happen, there are dozens of them around the country. Um, I think we've only, we did this exercise. Um, we've only found two, and there may be a couple more, but we only found two that still have two-year terms, New Haven and uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, right? Uh, the country's getting away from it. Now, there, there are cities in Massachusetts that still have two-year terms, but they don't have those attributes that I just described. They're not like, the centers with, with real and, and they're large and, and they have 
uh, a strong mayor model of government. Like you can't, it, it, and that's that's why it passed. I mean, people people recognize that. It's I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me, um, came up to me before and say like, you got to do something about the two year term, right? It just, and I totally agree with them. And in the time since, as I've told people, when people ask me how from outside, like, you know, I'm out of town, and someone say, how long you been in office? Well. Uh, you know, I was. I had these two-year terms, and now it's a four-year term. Like, oh, you had a two-year term. How did how do you get anything done with a two-year term? There are people out there who've said, well, you know, it's got to be closer to the people, and and um, and I, it's like, yeah, well, there's no if you're the mayor, you, you there's no escaping it, right? <laughs> you're 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 there all the time. Um, there's some have said, well, you know, the more frequent elections you have, the more likely it is that you know the be the greater accountability but okay well by that logic why don't we go to one-year terms the city used to have a one-year term for mayor up yeah. until like 1918 why not make it every every single year and the answer is it's too big of a city and too complex of a city and there's just too much responsibility in that position um such that um you can't it entails a whole lot of planning and a whole lot of execution and a whole lot of managing this big enterprise of a, with a half a billion dollar budget and over 3,000 employees to be evaluated on a two-year cycle. You just can't, it's, you don't want to have a mayor who's just always looking at the next election. You really, we've had some of them in the past, not naming names, frankly, and you don't want that. And you want to, you want the public to be right there informing all decisions, right? But you need to have the ability to plan and to execute. And then four years is like the standard to evaluate in the United States to evaluate how the mayor's doing. And I, I think that's appropriate. And the voters in the city already said so, that they agree. All right, let's take some more calls. 508-996-0500. You are next with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Yes, hey. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Mayor, for coming on. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm talking as a landlord. Uh, been a while, I've been a landlord for a while, and one of the old schools of thought about being a landlord was you rent two apartments and you could basically live rent free in, in the third one, and that was like the profit margin that everybody thought was fair and equitable and attractive. <clears throat> uh, the uh, banks, when you sit down with a bank to get a loan, they go over every component of the of the loan. You know, like with a house, it's going to talk about expenses, maintenance, taxes, water, and to see if you know how much you're going to put down, and to see if you're going to be able to afford this this loan. Now in New Bedford, we have obviously we have a very low income uh, market group that find it very very difficult to keep up with the cost of living because they simply don't have the leverage or the power to keep up with expenses the way they keep you know the big the the big picture is not their picture. And so they live on a different level of income. And even though they contribute to the comedy, they can't keep up with market forces. But I'm wondering, um, the word that doesn't come up that should be mentioned is, is, is greed. There is a greed factor built in to what's happening in the rental market in New Bedford. And I wonder if the banks and everybody else couldn't just come up with a formula that helps alleviate the greed factor that goes on. There's a fear factor, there's a landlord factor, there's a freedom factor, there's an entrepreneur factor, there's a greed factor too. And I wonder if that can't be at least discussed so that uh, everybody knows 
what's fair and what's profitable and what's entrepreneurial and what's greed. And I think that would help out. Yeah, we bring up a lot of interesting points. Um, and... Yeah, a lot of interesting points. And look, it's really hard right now. There are a lot of people who are struggling to find places to live because it's gotten expensive. It's gotten expensive for lots of reasons, right? So some of it has to do with market trends in the last few years, inflation and you know rising interest rates and supply shortages of construction materials, although that's those prices are starting to come back down to earth. Um, and, you know, you have a little bit of, you know, the, the push from the Boston area outward because the pricing is the prices are just astronomical there. Although it's that doesn't explain all of it because there are places all over, uh, really all over the country that are experiencing what we're experiencing right now. Um, but the way to handle it is by increasing the housing supply, right? To to create the conditions so that people can build more housing and uh, allowing developers to to make as you point out, a reasonable return on their investment, a reasonable living and not gouge anybody, right? Because that's, that's wrong. But we do want people, um, we do want investments to allow that to happen because as supply goes up, price tends to come down and that's where we need uh, to be. And that's what we're trying to do as a city. That's why we're adding roughly 150 new apartments uh, through that we've facilitated through uh, some federal and state funds and a number of other mechanisms. And so those, you know, you're starting to see them being constructed now. The one at the bottom of Union Street, the former Holy Family School, both are under construction right now. You've got three or four others that are also uh, un- about to be under construction, and there's some more in the pipeline. So we're, we're you know, we're starting to see a, a stronger pipeline now. I just don't want to see that closed off by some rent control measure that says you developers are, you can, can only make so much money here because if you're a developer you're going to say well i guess i should go to another city yeah but i gotta hold you there just because we're up against the break but thank you for the call and uh why don't we take that break callers hang on we will get to you when we come back on the other side more with mayor mitchell in just a few moments calls with mayor mitchell let's go to the phones you are next with the mayor hello hi guys how you doing i'm how are you good thanks so during, you know, the pandemic, we had, like you said, supply chain issues, the cost of everything um, going up and for a lot of, and the economy very unstable. So for a lot of reasons, there was, a, there was virtually no new building going on, housing. Virtually no, you know, no new units coming up in the city and everywhere else. So at the same time, we had like record numbers of, people migrating to the area, specifically in the city. And so we all knew that the, the housing crunch was going to be happening. We knew it was going to shoot up the, the cost of, of the, you know, housing in general. We could see that coming because there was no balance. I, I don't mean to rush you, but I'm up against a break. If you can just get directly to your question. So what I'm saying is, is there a formula that the administration uses to know how many, you know, uh, people we can take into the city and keep ahead of the crisis. Because I'm looking at down the road, as soon as the units are built, whatever numbers of, we're still going to continue to be in the situation if the influx is more than the inventory. So can you tell me how that, uh, what formula you guys use? Okay. How, how what the approaches? Yeah. Thank you for the question. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you have... 
demand outstripping supply, and that's why prices are going up, right? And the supply is not there for lots of reasons. You mentioned some of them, construction costs, although that's gotten better. Um, it, so I, I guess the one thing I would say is, yeah, we would be doing a number. We've been doing a number of things, including facilitating, as I mentioned, getting more units on the market, and that's happening. You're starting to see that construction now, and our work on getting vacant properties out of vacancy and back on the market. Right, some get stuck in land court, some get stuck in probate court after somebody dies and vacates the property. Right, there's a lot of things. I the thing I will say is that we are soon going to be releasing a comprehensive housing plan that addresses a lot of these issues. So I just ask people to stay tuned, but I can tell you that a lot of what I've talked about will be in that plan. It's not, none of the what's in the plan will be all that surprising, but what we're, we're been trying to do is to sort of explain to people how the housing market works. Cause it's not like stuff like rent control, is, it's not intuitive. You think, well, let's just put a cap on things, right? It's going up and let's put a cap on it and that'll allow people to, to rent. But the reality is that it, it doesn't work because of the laws of supply and demand. So we're, we're gonna be releasing that soon, but it's gonna address a lot of those those things that, um, you know, the, in general tries to address what you just mentioned by doing everything we can to facilitate the uh, the increase of the supply of housing units in the city. That's that's the thrust of it. This might be a loaded question with just a minute before we have to take our next break. But one of the one of the things that's been brought up in a lot of this discussion over the past couple of weeks is I, I I would say the boogeyman of there being an influx of illegal immigrants taking up the housing that's in the city. You probably have a rough idea of of what those numbers are of people that are coming into the city. Would you say that that is one of the things that that's causing this crisis? No, no, I I, I don't see it. It's not to say that the city doesn't have undocumented people living here. I mean, we, we know that that's the case. It's true really in every city around the country, um, but that's not what's, what's, what's driving the cost. I mean, uh, all in all, those are not people. The people who are undocumented and are living and working in the city uh, are not the kind of people who've got a lot of money to pay for rent. They're not driving the price of housing uh, up. I would think so, they're living with people who are legally here and who are paying those rents. Well, whatever the situation is, it's not like, you know, they're going out and, and outbidding people for to rent apartments, right? So I think that, and, and we're not seeing evidence of a big influx of, of uh, undocumented here. There are other cities that have, right? I mean, we know that you know, New York and this, they've been in the news, New York and Washington and Chicago and other places have seen like busloads of people show up that, we haven't seen, we haven't experienced that. We're not seeing evidence of that. And again, it's not to say that there aren't undocumented folks in the, in the city. There assuredly are. It's just, it's, that, that isn't why housing prices are going on. All right, we have to take our final break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Come. All right, back.